Hello and welcome to another episode of Monster Dear Monster. I'm one of your hosts, Dave, and I'm joined this episode by Leonard. How's it going, Leonard? I'm good. It's uh, good to be on and good to be back and good to be talking about monsters. We've got a little bit of that on the docket. Um, let's see. So this episode we'll be discussing the S- Swedish? No, Norwegian. It's Nor- <laughs> Norwegian film um, Ashlad in the Hall of the Mountain King. But first we will uh, take a journey to Japan for Yokai of the Week. But uh, we are on letter Z. I believe. Letter or, Z. But we've made it to the end of the alphabet. Yet again? For the Already? Th- third time? I don't know. <laughs> we, second or third time, at least. It comes right on back around. Yep. Uh, okay. So, uh, in our normal uh, Yokai of the Week tradition, Dave, roll them. Number one. So on the list, that puts us at the Zashiki Warashi. Hmm. A protective, what, a protective... I uh, think you can delete some of those words. A protective childlike house spirit. (laughs) (laughs) Syntax. Uh, Syntax is a little strange on that one. (laughs) Protective childlike house spirit. So is this the Japanese equivalent of Harry Potter's house elves? Um, kind of. <laughs> like, a little bit? <laughs> well, we'll find out, won't we? This has a, actually a fairly lengthy entry. Um, and I have at least three entries in our reference book that we generally take a look at. I think this one is... House of... Not House of... Um, the Night Parade of 100 Demons is this particular reference book. So, uh, we can probably skip that first. Uh, well, we'll just read the first bit anyway. Uh, I'll, okay. I'll, I'll kick it off, I think. All right. So, <clears throat> Zashiki Warashi, the guest room child, sometimes also called Zashiki Boko, or the guest room basker, like basking in the sun, I'm guessing. Uh, are spirit-like beings told about mostly in the Iwate prefecture. They are said to be gods that live in Zashiki storage rooms. Uh, those are um, straw uh, mats. The ah, okay. And they would perform pranks, and those that see one would be visited with good fortune. There are also legends of how they would bring fortune to families. They are also known from Kunio y- uh, Yanagita's Tono, Mono- Tono Monogatari. Ishigami Mondo. Um, so that's Tales from Tono, the region. And stories about them would appear in the 17th and 18th chapters. I, was, I wanted to say century. Of the um, Tono Murakatari <laughs> and the 87th chapter titled Zashiki Warashi. Um, this is all kind of incidental information. Um, in this chapter, it is written that families with whom this god. With whom this god dwells are frequently able to prosper at will. Uh, in recent years, television programs and magazines have reported about various Iwate prefecture, Ryokan, um, where it is said to be possible to see a Zashiki Warashi, such as the Ryoku Fuso and uh, 
to go water back on and water back to that's information we don't really need. Um, <laughs> I'll just kind of keep going because this is it's pretty lengthy. Uh, concept. Reports have mostly been in the Iwate Prefecture. Uh, and there are also some scattered about the Aomori. Okay, you can skip that. Generally, the beings have a red face, hair that hangs down, and the appearance of that of a five- or six-year-old child. But depending on the house that they settle in, Ainge, report, Ainge Rage reports... Range, range, reports, uh, wow, from a minimum of around three years old and a maximum of 15. They have a bob haircut or very short cropped hair. Both males and females have been seen, and the male ones are said to wear blackish clothes with a kasuri or striped pattern, and the females are said to wear a red um, tashanko uh, or a furisode. Um, it's like old traditional clothing. It is said that there uh, are some whose appearance is unclear, making their gender unknown. Sometimes multiple beings would settle in a house at once, such as a boy and a girl. There are also some legends telling of ones that look like a black beast and others that look like a warrior. So that's that's all over the place. Um, so, so, so is it the, the, the size of the house that determines the age? or Maybe the fortune of the house I, I this is ambiguous I, I don't know maybe one I, of the other entries will clear that up I really but I'd really like to imagine that it's either like the size of the house or the prosperity of the family like oh you're terribly poor so I'm going to be this this fortune child that you raise from a three-year-old to a uh a surly 15 year old yes. <laughs> that showers to you when... you're, you're only a little bit poor you get stuck with the, the teenager yeah yeah there we go could be um they like causing mischief so they are said to leave ash or bleaching powder on top of little footprints and at nighttime man this uh they are said to make sounds like that of a revolving spinning wheel they would also make sounds in the inner room making sounds of, that, of a kagura performance um I almost like we're gonna switch to the book because uh, <laughs> this is it there's a lot of information but it's not worded very well um okay so the first entry uh of the night parade of 100 demons the zashiki warashi the translation zashiki child okay that helps um alternate names many habitat Zashiki, a kind of sitting room covered in tatami mats and other words. Diet, none, but enjoys candies and treats left out for it. Appearance. Zashiki Warashi are house spirits. They are fond of mischief, loved by all, and believed to bring great fortune and riches to those who house, whose houses they haunt. Direct sightings make these spirit direct sightings of these spirits are rare. It often it is often difficult to make out any details other than a vague, childlike shape. When they can be seen, Zashiki Warashi appear as ghostly children, five or six years old, with blushing red faces. The boys are dressed in child-sized warrior costumes, and the girls in patterned kimonos with hair that is either short or bobbed or long and tied back. In rare stories, they appear as wild, hairy, brutish figures. So I guess that's the black beast. Um, uh, it is said that only children and the house's owners are able to see these spirits. They are usually known only by their pranks. Behavior. Sashiki Warashi love mischief. Often, the first signs that one, one's house may be inhabited is by a trail of children's footprints going through ashes or soap powder. 
Other mischief includes making phantom noises. These noises sound like the children, like children's games. Tops spinning all night long, paper crinkling, children's voices, or kagura, shin, uh, Shinto holy music. Most hauntings involve a single zashikiwarashi, while some involve multiple spirits. Mm. Interaction. Zashikiwarashi are considered guardian spirits of the house and gods of luck. It is said that a house with a zashikiwarashi will prosper and grow rich, and a house that drives away such a spirit will fall into decline and ruin. In one account, a family witnessed a zashikiwarashi leaving their home, and soon they all succumbed to food poisoning and died. Um, in another well-known legend from Iwate Prefecture, a wealthy man's son shot a zashikiwarashi with a bow and arrow soon after the family's fortunes collapsed. Um, yeah, this is, it's the same information in the, that's in the Wikipedia, but this is far more clear. Um, <laughs> also, I'm, uh, I'm, I, uh, I know that I was personally a big fan of the children's game Crinkled Paper. Um, yes, <laughs> I have played that often. Yes. As a child. The, the I don't you know, know what, what I don't know what game you, that actually is. So, <laughs> you, you, and you know, and you know what? Considering that we had games like Don't Break the Ice, which literally involved like putting something on top of a wet piece of paper that was sold to us by Milton Bradley, I can't really oh, yeah. complain about. <laughs> can't really complain about crinkle paper, the game being a thing. So, oh, you didn't have. Um... Stick and hoop like I did. <laughs> Kick the can. Yeah, uh, some games, yes. you know, when we were kids. Good, yes, good old don't catch the consumption. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Um, there's not much. There's more stuff in the. Go ahead and read the custom section of the Wikipedia entry. Okay. Let's see. Customs, customs. Ah. <coughs> Excuse me. That's not a custom. Nope. Zashiki uh, uh, Rashi are there in inner uh, in inner guest rooms, and their existence is said to have an effect on the direction the family goes in. So there are some families that treat them hospitably and offer them meals every day. They're said to like uh, Azuki Michi. Uh, so there are families that offer uh, Azuki Michi every day. And if it is not eaten, it is said to be an omen for the family's decline. Uh, Zashiki Rashi generally work the same way as having uh, kitsune or inugami, mm -hmm. but the but the difference between them and the zashiki rasu rashi is that for zashiki rashi is never uh, considered a nuisance, and in fact, they are even protected as gods. And a family that has a ZW... Is, is usually treated by other pe people with respect. In the area around the Nihone? Ninohe. Nihone? Nihone. Ninohe. Uh, there is a custom of making up a room with desserts and toys left inside for a child who has died or was killed as an infant. 
uh, and give and giving worship to this child a custom that remains the present day. There's also a custom of making a room that a child would like in order to make the ZW stay at the house in order to bring the family prosperity. According to the uh, Tono Monogarati Monogatari. Okay. The house of a certain wealthy family in the town of Tsushi Bushi? Tsuchibushi. Tsuchibushi has a small space that was called the, uh, the Zato Room and considered to be the room that would be used to await the Zato. Excuse me. A kind of member of the Builders Guild, such as... Uh, you, can, you can skip that. <laughs> it's okay. okay. <laughs> All right. Uh Every uh anyway, uh room used to await the Zato every time a banquet was called. But literary researcher uh Tsukayuki Miura. Thank you. Surmises that perhaps this room was used to give worship to the gods to the gods protective spirit. Excellent. Um there are let's see, other forms. Their common name comes from the Zashiki, the formal reception room for, okay, we covered that. Um, they are known by many different names in other areas, such as the Kuraboko, or warehouse child, the Makura Geishi, or pillow turner. Countless variations of the Zashiki Warashi <laughs> exist across, yes, across okay. Japan. <laughs> uh, give me a second. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> um, with minor differences in their appearance and behavior, um, the book comes with a little cute picture, little red-faced child holding a ball. Um, then there's a few other entries, so this is, I'll just kind of do small summaries. Um, Chopirako, uh, there's no translation for that name. Uh, they are simply referred to as Zashiki Warashi. They inhabit inner parlors and living rooms. They enjoy candies and treats left out for them, so that, that part's um, similar. The Chopirako are similar to ordinary Zashiki Warashi, only they are much more beautiful. Their skin and clothing glows with pure radiant white light. Their features are more beautiful than human children. Chopirako are all usually found in homes of families that have only that had an only child who died, but who was loved and lavished with gifts before they passed away. Um, like other Zashiki Warashi, they bring richness and prosperity to the houses they inhabit. They promote happiness and well-being among the inhabitants. They require more maintenance to keep them happy than the Zashiki Warashi, but in return, they bring more wealth and good luck than other kinds of spirits. Um, so here's the here's the difference that we were talking about earlier, or we were sum summizing. Um, rich families could, who could afford it often presented lavish funerals for deceased children with beautiful burial gowns. The deceased child's room is turned into a shrine full of lavish toys, books, and games that the child would have loved in life. The Chopirako resides in this room rather than in, than in the Zashiki, and few people are allowed to enter in order to keep it uh, in the pristine condition. So this is for from a more affluent family. Right. Uh, and then we have the... Uh, this is probably going to be similar. The Utsukushi Warashi. This is a a mortar-pounding child. Um, 
One particularly unpleasant variation of the zashiki warashi is the utsukushi warashi, named for the eerie thumping noise um, that these low-ranking house spirits make. Oh, I'm I'm mis I'm mispronouncing that word. So, uh, usutsuki. There we go. <laughs> okay. uh, I was saying beautiful, which was not making any sense. Ah. <laughs> Uh, unlike their bright and cheerful cousins, the Usutsuki <laughs> Warashi crawl out from the dirt underneath the floorboards and roam about the house at night. They make creepy noises, creaking and thumping and tracking dirty footprints throughout the house. Usutsuki Warashi do not cause any actual harm, though they spread unease and discomfort in houses that they infect. Unlike other Zashiki Warashi, these troublemakers do not bring any good fortune into their homes. However, a house which uh, drives these spirits away will still fall into ruin, just like a house that drives away more pleasant Zashiki Warashi. So, what a ripoff! Yeah, you can let them live there and be bothered, uh, or you can kick them out and then have your house fall into ruin. Oh, that sucks. That's the worst. That's the worst version of this deal. Um, it <clears throat> it is, but we excuse me, we have an origin story. So this spirit's origin <laughs> is similar to that of the Yama Uba. It comes from the old and terrible practice of kuchibarashi, or reducing the mouths to feed by thinning out families during times when food was scarce. Some houses with too many mouths to feed had no other choice but to sacrifice <clears throat> the newly born. The cost of a funeral also being too high, these children were buried underneath the house or in a storage shed. So instead of a tombstone, often a usu, a large mortar, was placed as a grave marker. Um, that's a, yeah, that's a more affecting tale. And yes, maybe a little bit of uh, a, a grudge yes. kind of aspect from the um, the murdered child. And there's a little picture of this one, and it's also frightening. <laughs> Uh, yep, well, that's the spin-offs of the Zashiki Warashi that are included in this particular book. So, it's a little more in-depth than the, um, the Wikipedia article. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, there's, there's quite a bit more, but I think we'll leave it there, uh, and, and leave some of that for <laughs> our listeners to look through, because the, the article's rather lengthy. Yes, yes, it, there's there's a lot going on with these uh, these good fortune, bad fortune, neutral fortune, and yeah, and jump scare. <laughs> yes, and spooky kids. So that is this week's uh, yokai of the week is Zashiki Warashi. And what do we have next? Are we going we have... right into Ashlad? No, we're not. It's a new segment. Introduce us to this it's... new segment. <laughs> it's it, it, uh, um. I thought that we should maybe perhaps have a a new segment because there's scary media out there haunting the internet, and this uh, analogy's going nowhere. So uh, we are... <laughs> I gave up instantly. Um, we are introducing a new segment. It may not happen every episode. Uh, it will really be dependent on what kind of uh, spoopy and scary things are, uh, are uh, happening in the world. 
uh, and we got two. Uh, uh, well, once once boop, uh, and 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 one scare, uh, because we're going to be talking about uh, the uh, what we do in shadows TV trailer, uh, TV series trailer, and uh, uh, scary stories to tell in the dark. The, the three, the movie. The three oh, <laughs> yes, the movie, the 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 soon to be, hopefully hit movie. I'm not projecting. I want it. I want it to do well. But yes, I think it will. It's att- it's um Guillermo del Toro is attached to that, so that already yes. has some pull. Um, we have the what uh what we do in the shadows TV series comes out on March 27th this year uh, on the FX channel. Um, I don't know how that's going to play out internationally but that's the stateside release um this is based on it's a spin-off of the what we do in the shadows film uh directed by um taito white <laughs> i'm not good with his name yeah uh, I'm, I'm and uh, and uh i think written and co-produced by jermaine clement from flight of the concords yes also starring both both um both of them as actors the tv series is directed um same director and then uh, one of the writers i believe from flight of the concords um, is handling that there's a two two or three minute long trailer that's been put out so far um for the tv series uh did, did you watch the film i did it's been a while but yes i did i did see what we do in shadows it's hilarious it's, it's a fantastic uh mockumentary uh in the uh in in the side really i i do kind of equate it with uh, uh this is spinal tap uh as like a great um mockumentary yes dealing dealing with <laughs> with vampires and how petty and petulant and fantastically whiny uh immortality ultimately ends up making you yeah and it's it's nice that it deals not only with um it's not strictly with vampires but we get the little werewolf aside which was i believe supposed to result in a spin-off show with just the werewolves and i also would watch that yes um but yeah you should do if you have any affection and any uh affinity for what we do in the shadows you should check out that trailer and uh and hey maybe if you've got some questions about it you could uh send us a mail through the monster mail email box maybe (laughs) our our sad dust-filled um inbox Yes, yes, uh, we would have a if 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 our if our email was a a yokai, it would be very unhappy with the <laughs> neglected. Of, of, <laughs> yes, the offerings that it has not received. Hint, hint, wink, wink. We love you. That being said, we love all of you, and we're so glad that you listen to our show. Um, so that's uh, uh, what we do in shadows. It looks really funny um the, uh, the, it has a higher budget i think or they were able to spread the budget around a little more because of the success of the film 
there's more mm-hmm. special effects involved um some more visual effects that uh the, the movie had some but this is leaning a little harder on the supernatural aspect of these vampires right. as, far, as far as i could tell um yeah so you should check that out because it looks funny um and we i think everybody here has their fingers crossed that uh that the show will deliver on its premise. Yeah, I, I'm hoping so. They're introducing the energy vampire. Um, <laughs> yep. <laughs> for this one. So it, it looks good. It's a charming show. Um, yes. So we'll turn our, a little bit of our attention to the uh, scary stories to tell in the dark um, film, which I don't know if they're releasing or planning to do more for maybe see how successful this one is, because this is not covering um, all of the anthology. There'd be too much to cram into 90 minutes. Um, yes. For the scary stories to tell the dark. So if you're, those of you not aware, um, this was a book series released in the late eighties um, that featured uh, very thrilling uh, artwork. Um, that uh, caused many sleepless nights <laughs> and sleepless yep. days, maybe. Um, uh, and art, artwork so thrilling that that uh, later, uh, that in later re-releases, republishings of the book, they actually changed the artwork, uh, much to uh, numerous people's consternation. Uh, yes, uh, um, this was so we're not remiss. Um, Stephen Gamel did the um, illustrations for the yes. original scary stories to tell in the dark and they are horrifying they're they still are. they still bother me even to this day yep um uh and 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 for those of for those of you you younger listeners uh because i'm i'm old really almost ancient uh back when i was a child these books were uh easily available in school libraries for uh kids to read um and we loved them uh they were constantly out of the library just so kids could stare at these horrific illustrations and it was kind of a fight to get your hands on a copy of scary stories to tell in the dark uh back when i was a kid but I don't think many many of us uh, were actually reading the book and were more apt to stare at the really legitimately unsettling artwork. <laughs> uh, so the, the the print run on these, or I guess the release run, was a little earlier than I thought. It's um, the first book came out in 1981. The second uh, anthology was 84, and then the final Scary Stories three more Tales to Chill Your Bones came out in 1991. Um, oh wow! I remember owning. I think I owned all three of them. Uh, I don't know if they they may not be a thing anymore, but uh, we used to have Scholastic book fairs. Yep. And um, I was able to scrounge up my allowance to purchase uh, these. I, I'm pretty sure I got them all in one go. May have been over a couple different book fairs, but because um, back in the day, like a ten dollar book was expensive. Um, yes. But I I had these. I, I read all of them, and I I mostly I remembered a few of the stories. Um, I ran into these books again two i don't even think it was two maybe last year 
uh, at a um, like a Goodwill. They just mm-hmm. had them sitting there, and I was kind of leafing through. And uh, the stories were brief. Like, they were shorter than I remembered them being. Mm-hmm. Uh, no less effective. Uh, also, like, it's like... A, it's appropriate for kids on a level, but still almost too much. Mm-hmm. And then the uh, these were the original print run, so the the wonderful artwork um, was still present in there, and the pictures were great and still horrifying. <laughs> yep. So I guess um, did you watch the? There's a there was a short trailer released for the. Um, the film coming out. Did you were you able to watch that? Yes, yes, I did. Um, we've got, we've got, we've got our our, our scary uh, stories classics. Uh, there's the uh, the uh, um, I forget what it's called. Is it the is it the zit? Is it is that it? Is it the pimple? Um, the red spot. The red spot. Um, the red spot. It's a big classic. The red, um, I mean, should we, we, are we even talking about, about these stories or are we just Um, doing what else? What were the other ones in the trailer? Uh, there was the, the pale woman, um, that very classic, um, image from scary stories of a, a woman with a, uh, a very pale woman, stringy black hair, uh, uh, narrow eyes, a a flat face, and a um, slight grin. Um, she is um, uh, used quite often when when referencing scary stories to tell in the dark illustrations. I'm, and I'm trying to think they, uh, that might be Oh Susanna. I don't remember. Um, okay, I know that uh, that Harold's another one. Harold is story involving a scarecrow that's all you're going to get it's uh it's it's not great and they haven't shown um anything of that but it's known that that is one of the stories that's to be included in the film i believe there's another one called the the jangly man oh um there's could be Thumpity thump or uh, Taily Poe. I don't remember which one. Yes, one one of those ones. Um, <clears throat> I just kind of skimmed the the trailer. I pretty much, you know, I don't even know if I made it all the way through. I got to the first opening bit and they were doing the red spot, and I just said, yeah, no thanks. <laughs> the, <laughs> the, the little leg popped out, and I was not having it. <laughs> um and they're also doing the big toe which is a another classic campfire yeah story. that one's probably the least bothersome yeah <laughs> of those um harold was that was terrifying yeah harold's the one that is it, harold is 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 the story that is is the real question as to is this appropriate for kids yeah (laughs) i think a lot of a couple of them have that feel um yeah they're 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 fairly brief as i mentioned so i think anything that would stick with you would be 
not very long. Um, right. That really, is, and it was also it's, it's the artwork that kind of just lingers. Right. It was also the '80s and early '90s where you could where woo if 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 you kids had a time machine, you would be shocked by the media that we were allowed to consume back then. Oh yeah, I totally was watching like The Fly and the yep. Aliens as a child, and you know I turned out fine. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, we all turned, we all we all turned out we all turned out fine. Turned out so fine, in fact, that we didn't even get our own generation lumped into another generation. Yeah, <laughs> you got tossed in the blender. It happens. Uh, but anyway, yes. so yeah, that's um something to look forward to. Scary stories to tell in the dark. That uh is really so. We're our news is a little bit in advance. Um, this should be coming to theaters in August 9th. Um, so yes. also this year. But and, uh, and and we we're not gonna get into it. But I also think that it's kind of hilarious that um I believe that there there's also going to be an Are You Afraid of the Dark movie being released later this year too oh really which is, well they, they've been yeah. bringing they brought back goosebumps as films. right they did um a house with the clock in his walls which i did watch that was pretty fun uh so yeah that'll be interesting if they they bring that back i i remember like we could get home from school and watch um uh are you afraid of the dark beyond mm. i think it was nickelodeon or something it's it was Nickelodeon. Hard to remember sometimes. <laughs> that being almost 30 years ago, so. But yes, that's the news. There so that is are, the news, yeah. There are, there are, there are, are, are scary, scary vampires of hilarity and, and scary stories to chill your bones all coming to your TV and theater box soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, as we well, as we're showing you this segment's new, so we'll uh, kind of play around with the format of it and and see what we can include uh, in the future. Um, there also wasn't a whole lot that I could find in the news that was relevant uh, lately, um, and hopefully that'll change. So yep. that is we don't have we don't have a little y'all have to make some kind of musical thing. There's nothing musical yeah. for the news. That was the news. <laughs> Yeah, I'm. I'm. You know what? I should. I should. Uh, I should uh, contact a, a one uh, Mr. Jake Lionheart and see if we can uh, get some music. Yeah, drum us up a drum us up something. Yep. Um. Oh, I did. I don't want to forget. Um. Cameron sent us magical messages over the interwebs. Um. And he wanted to remind everyone that he is in fact very looking forward to uh, what we do in the, the shadows. Um, and he says, <laughs> yes, good. Just imagine <laughs> that in Cameron's voice and not mine. Yeah. <laughs> uh. All right. So on to the main segment, which is uh, Ashlad in the Hall of the Mountain King or Askeladden. The Dovergubin Hall, which is the exact same thing, just in Norwegian, <laughs> just in Norwegian that I doubtlessly butchered again. So, um, this was this the first time you've heard about this particular story or any anything in, involving uh, Ashlad? 
Yes, yes, I am. I, I am absolutely unfamiliar with uh, with Ashlad as a uh, character. I, I'm going to assume that that he's he's the protagonist of multiple stories. He is the protagonist of handfuls, many handfuls of <laughs> stories. Um, good, it's good stuff. I, I, I lucked out and. Um, because we postponed this a little bit, I was able to get a hold of a book, Espen Ashlad. Uh, it's folk tales from Norway, which all involve our our good boy Espen, and this is translated by Robert Gembles. The book itself, um, it? it's a um a UK um printing actually. So this took a while to ship to me. Um, and it's a, a twenty fourteen copyright, so it's fairly recent. And it's uh, collected from the stories of Peter Christen um, Asbjornsen and Jorgen Mo. There are 15, 15 tales of the Ashlad, and it, it runs about 150 pages. Hmm. So it's a. I'll, I'll cover a, just a few of the stories because they're. Thematically, it's a lot of repetition. Which is just the, the, the thing you get from these these kind of folk tales, but right. um, they they have little little changes and little nuances, and what we'll find, and I I I kind of noticed this when, when watching the film, is that the film itself is a collection of like almost excerpts from other stories, just kind of put through the grinder and presented as like one one coherent right. tale. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this this um I hadn't really I maybe I recall some vague reference from some other tale, book of tales that I read like years ago. Um the the story itself and the I think it's more the tropes um are familiar ones yes um this a lot of these do read uh similarly to um, a brother's grim or, or that, mm-hmm. that, that kind of story um but the the film itself i was uh cued in on um mr brad galloway uh, mentioned mm-hmm. that he had watched this with his son and had a, had a good time with it and so that piqued my interest and uh as seeing as it was on amazon prime for free um, I uh, took a look at it and was like blown away. This this reminded me of the feeling I get when watching like Crawl or Willow. Oh yeah, or just like eighties kind of high adventure, just a lot of mm-hmm. fun. Um, Legend. Yeah, yeah. It, it it evoked a lot of that same imagery, uh, mm-hmm. and as far as I'm aware, this. Uh, theatrically um in in norway did a really good uh, had a good run uh, oh good a 4.23 million um, box office actually so i don't oh, know i don't know right. what the budget was but um right that's still not a poor um showing mm-hmm. uh give us a rundown of the plot oh geez just the, 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 you can just go to the basic the what happens in the first kind of 15 minutes is the core of the story i think that's true um 
Let's see. Uh, Princess Kristen uh, turns 18. Uh, we are told that uh, if the princess is not married uh, by her 18th uh, birthday, that uh, an horrible troll known as the Mountain King will come and steal her away to make her its slave forever. Um, uh, Kristen uh, is uh, is 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 accosted by uh, the prince of another. Is is he actually a prince? He is actually a prince. He's actually a prince. Yes, I think he's Danish. Okay, uh, and I am uh, Prince Frederick, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Accosted uh, by Prince Frederick, who is boorish and 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 arrogant and and every fairy tale trope you've ever seen. So she runs away from the castle, refusing to marry that horrible man, um, and encounters our Ash Lad, uh, Espen. Yes. Uh, and they have a they have their the the typical fantasy meet cute before she. <laughs> uh, she uh, uh, rides off uh, and is almost immediately kidnapped by the Mountain King. Uh, Espen's a dreamer, uh, he which doesn't uh, isn't great when you're a poor farmer. Uh, so his uh, brothers can't stand him. His father's constantly disappointed in him, and then he eventually sets the house on fire, uh, destroying. Uh, um, uh, their property and uh, comes up with the idea of of rescuing the princess so that uh, the king will pay them to uh, some money so he can uh, rebuild the farm. I think that is uh, a good summary. And he's also accompanied by his two brothers who can't stand him. Yes, that's a, a fair summary of it. There's a few... Um... So a main trope that you'll find uh, going through the, I don't know what you'd call it, the, it escapes me, the thing where there's a lot of tales. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> the Ashlad lexicon, I don't know. Um, yes. Is that the, the king often, uh, it's different kings and different daughters, it's just, just a a bunch of different kings. These kings always right. seem to offer their daughter and half the kingdom to whoever can <laughs> rescue uh, or confront. The The daughters of all these kings tend to be very strong-willed and headstrong yep. and their own and very much their own women. And that's mm-hmm. that's exactly the case um in princess Kristen. uh not only is she uh not wanting to marry um prince frederick in in particular she doesn't want to marry anybody she's just not going to have it she doesn't this tale is an old uh, old kingdom folk tale um Mm -hmm. she doesn't believe in it uh there the king is erring kind of on the side of caution just trying to marry his daughter off so she's keeping the kingdom intact basically right um, which, and, which which is ironic when when the, the, the reward is always half of the kingdom yeah. thus crea- instantly creating a conflict for the future 
Oh, and, and in particular, um, another uh, bit of character depth we have is uh, Prince Frederick himself uh, doesn't, for him it's all politics. He could care yep. less um, how Princess Kristen turns out to be. Right. Um, and he, I think he specifically says he'll just arrange for a hunting accident. Um, if, if she doesn't really get along with him or doesn't listen to him, he'll just have her killed. And so yes. he'll just take over the kingdom that way and expand their own lands um, uh, by, by using this kingdom. So he's not, he's not a great guy. Um, in fact, nope. most of his retinue, um, they're, they're not great. They're, they're fairy tale villains. Yeah, kind of through and through. Yep. Um, and it's good. It's good. <laughs> he has his he has his one hulking brute um, bodyguard, and then yep. a kind of thin thiefy guy. I think there was another one too, but I don't I don't remember because they they really didn't get a lot of screen time. Pretty sure yeah. he had three guys with him. Yes, the, the he he has the classic D and D NPC antagonist group party with him. Got the brute, we've got the 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 spindly sniper, and then we've got the we've got the toady, the toady that is always oh yes his, his little yes man yeah, uh, and then we have we have the king. So um, this is King uh, Eric and his queen victoria they're i'm surprised their kingdom is like even existing because they're terribly ineffective rulers. yes they're they're just not they're i don't want to say they're lazy they're apathetic yes i'm surprised he's even bothering to have people come to marry his daughter he's just not <laughs> he's tired well so what it is is he doesn't he's tired of ruling he doesn't want to deal with it and <coughs> trying to shove it off onto like a um, a stepson, like right. get get someone else to rule and not have to bother with it. Maybe he just right. wants to retire. I don't know. He's all he's older, um, but but both of them are older uh, parents. Mm. And um, Princess Kristen is, uh, as we mentioned, super headstrong and would probably be fine running the kingdom if she cared enough to do so. Um, it seems like her interests are also sort of self serving. Um, yep. Instead. But I think she just wants to go on adventures. Yeah. She just wants to go have some fun. And that's okay. Because <laughs> right. she certainly ends up doing that. Um, and then we have the uh, the messenger, which is probably my favorite character. Mm -hmm. um, in, in the film, at least. The, um, this poor guy, he's, uh, he's constantly running to and fro to, to relay um, visitor, to announce visitors and relay information to the king but he's just not in shape. And so yep. all you ever get is him just, <sighs> just trying yep. to breathe to mm -hmm. give his message to the king, and it's, it's just played so well. Um, yes. R running, in, running into the court and making it halfway. Yeah, to... and then just, like, having to stop. He's like, I, 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 got, this. I got this. I don't, I don't have this. And the king, I think the king, like, kind of lambasts him for it. He's like, you're my messenger, but you're just in terrible shape. Yes. What's what's going on? So it's it's good. It's good stuff um, as far as that, that guy's concerned. Uh, so we'll turn our attention to Espen and his his two brothers. This is uh, Per and Paul. Um, 
the tales have translated these directly as Peter and Paul. So we have Espen, Peter, and Paul. Yes. Um, Peter is the eldest of the three brothers. Uh, Paul is the middle, and Espen is, of course, the youngest. Right. Um, one of the, the yeah. Go ahead. The, uh, it uh, because the youngest sibling is not for being the 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 worst sibling until uh, whatever uh, magical skill ability or or worldview they have is uh, saves the day, as is a constant trope in in tales like these. The youngest yeah. is always uh, is always the least reliable and also the savior at the end for for reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, another thing I noticed when I was going through all these tales, uh, there's a few where Peter and Paul are their own. They get their own stories where they're not. It doesn't really include Espen as a brother. They're just doing their own thing, and um, oh, okay. I believe. Peter generally is in, uh, he's like a soldier or he's in government service. Um, All right. Kind of doing his own adventures. He's not, like, neither of them are, like, really heroes of their own stories, like, ever. Um, <laughs> they're always shown as, uh, they kind of they kind of get that Gaston template. They're, oh, okay. They're, they're, they're decent hunters. They're kind of manly men. But mm-hmm. uh, not so strong in like the brains department, and because of that, um, even though they they exhibit these manly traits, they fail at the thing that they're supposed to be doing um, because they they're they're headstrong and they don't right. want to stop and think about something. They just kind of rush into whatever it is and think that their their brute strength will carry them through. When often that's ah, just not the okay. case. Right, because um, it requires cleverness and wit. Yes, um, and engagement, engagement with um, a, sen- a sense of selflessness. So mm-hmm. both Peter and Paul uh, are only concerned with not not really. They're concerned with the family. There's some, at least in this in this film, they're shown as trying to do the right thing for their family. Right, but they're swayed a little bit by greed. Um, a little bit by self-righteousness and uh, uh, a lot a bit <laughs> by their own self, their sense of self-worth and their pride mm-hmm. doesn't, it puts them in a position where they look down on not only Espen, but just like the general other people. Right. So they're a bit haughty and they're, they're similar to um, Prince Frederick in that way. Mm-hmm. They just happen to not be, prince of a kingdom and they're farmers instead <laughs> so socially they're not in a position to, to kind of do that and because they act that way it, it endangers their social position mm-hmm. and then we have our, our our good buddy Espen who is he's not as effective in his daily life because he also uh, is concerned with adventuring and um, things beyond the scope of what his farming existence would provide. Right. Uh, he's a he's a dreamer, as we mentioned, um, and he's uh, named Ashlad because he has a well. 
what happens is in the in the tales, and it doesn't really address it addresses that a little bit in this. Uh, Peter and Paul provide the the majority of the food, um, the wood, the things that the, the home needs. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't do so simply because Espen is not capable of helping, but that they don't see that he's capable of helping. They don't want to acknowledge him. They tell him because a few times I think when he does try stuff, he's a little bit clumsy. Um, mm-hmm. And so they eventually just relegate him to keeping the house, like we'll just babysit the house, you know, keep the keep the hearth fire going, and that's why he's yes. ash lad because he's just poking the, the fire and he gets covered in ash because he's maintaining the fire the whole time while they go out and bring the, the goods home. Uh, it, there's another point of one of the stories where Paul uh, kind of gives him the name. Ashlad, and because and because Paul is kind of lazy in his own way, he slurs. Because Ashlad is technically it's two words, Ashlad, but Askeladden right. he like jams the word together because he's a kind of a lout. Ah, so okay. it's it's more of a riff on his brother's characters as well as the some of the traits that Espen himself shows that he's given this kind of um, it's almost a slanderous moniker mm-hmm. um yeah so oh uh one thing i did want to address in this film they they have a father and yes it's uh, he's kind of a non-entity and it was really weird because of uh i don't know if it's ages of the brothers but i just initially watching this um uh, uh, this is dubbed there was no um subtitled yes. version unfortunately i would have to watch this in the original language but the, i was not sure until the house gets burned down that um their father was supposed to be their father i thought it was just another brother because they all mm-hmm. look very similar in age but i think on later reflection you could tell that the, the father was a little older but um that was just confusing to me uh just because yes. it's not addressed in like the dialogue or mm-hmm. in, in, so it's like there's four brothers. <laughs> so what's going on? But you, you find out it's the it's a, uh, a widowed father. Um, their uh, their mother has passed away. Um, I don't remember if it says why or how she died. Uh, but when uh, Espen burns down the house, he act. He also ends up. Well, the whole house is it's literally a frame. It's reduced to a frame. But um, mm-hmm. the the one picture of their mother uh, was also like burnt up. There's like a yes. little, little scrap of it left, and that's what um, more so than destroying their livelihood in their house. Their father was, I think, more upset at the, the, the desecration of his wife's memory. You know, the loss of that memorabilia that he had. Um, he he, what he ends up doing is banishing um, Espen like from the house, like from the family. He's like, you're kicked out. Yeah, go, go do what you know. Go live on your own. <laughs> go get your nuts and berries and survive in the wild. Uh, I, question is: mm-hmm. is there is there typically a father involved in these stories? Uh, um, or, some of them do. Some of them have the okay. father and the the three sons. Some of the tales have the mother involved. Oh wow! Okay. So, and it doesn't give like an age range, so you're. 
I'm left to read them and visualize these all occurring at the same time because they deal with different kings and different things. It's just Ash Lad put into different family situations. Yeah. Right. It's like the multiverse of Ash Lads. <laughs> yes. Um I'll I'll one of these stories is long, so I'm not actually going to read it, but I'll hit some of the highlights because this one uh, it has some of the tropes that we find in the film. I couldn't, okay. I couldn't find the specific tales that this pulled from because I think what they did was they took aspects of these stories and kind of made one general tale instead. Mm-hmm. So, so it's not like a specific adventure they adapted for the screen. Right. Um, this was this one is entitled um, Espen Ashlight and the Good Helpers, and we again get. Once upon a time, there was a king. Uh, but <laughs> with this king, instead of the... Uh, uh, well, he promised anyone that could build this ship uh, that could go as fast on land as it could on water. He wants the ship. He heard about it. <laughs> and he's like, I would like to have the ship that's just as fast on land as it uh, is on water. And I'll promise, of course, my daughter to whoever can bring me the ship and half of the kingdom. <laughs> um, that's his... That's these kings. That's their thing. Yep. And of course we get the there were three brothers uh who lived in the woods. The eldest was Peter, the middle Paul, and the youngest Espen. Uh they uh hear from Espen who had gone to church about this proclamation because the king um did the proclaiming uh throughout through the, the church to spread the, the word through his kingdom. Mm-hmm. And they all decide to the three brothers decide to uh aim for building this ship. Uh kind of what, what ends up happening is uh, they go as these stories work um, they never work together. They're all independently like kind of competing against each other because only one of them of course can marry the the princess so you can't right. share that part of it. Um, so the eldest brother kind of goes out and he um, tries to, to chop down a tree to of course build this fastest ship and he runs into mm-hmm. a, a a little little old man um, on his journey, and he's carrying his like, you know, provisions for going out into the wild. And the old man asks him, "Oh, you know, what are you doing out here?" And he's like, "I'm going to build um, bowls. I'm, I'm looking for a tree to build bowls for my father, because he doesn't want to share. This is their selfishness. He doesn't want to share right. the concept of." Um, building this ship for the king to you know to profit from it i just want to give that news to anybody else even though everyone should know by now but right. um so he tells the old man i'm oh yeah i'm going to go build uh a bunch of bowls uh and the old man asks him oh what's in your bag and he's like oh i have uh i think he said he has like manure he was mm-hmm. picking up manure for the farm or something and uh so the old man he says oh oh bowls huh yep that that's what that's what you get and manure oh yeah that's got to be what's in the bag of course that it ends up being sort of like a curse and right. uh, no matter what the older brother does when he's chopping these trees it only only turns out bowls <laughs> um and then he, he's going hungry because he opens his bag that had his lunch in it but it's just poo right and so we get a a, a similar experience um with the the middle brother i think he he, he says something to the effect that oh he's building um 
pig pig trials for his father for the farm. <laughs> and so when he's carving the stuff, it only turns out like a, a bazillion trials. Um, <laughs> and then, of course, when Espen goes to try his luck, he's, as we see in the film, he's honest with right. generally what's going on. So when someone asks him something, he tells him what's on his mind. And he's like, oh, I'm going to go build a, a super fast boat for the king. And, oh, look, I got... um. I've got like a little bit of bread and my mom gave me some like beer. There's like a, a couple drops of stale beer, you know, he's like, I'll, I'll share, I'll share them with you. I don't have much, but you know, you look hungry, right. you know, I'll give you some. So the, the little old guy um, basically tells him. So when you go into the forest, uh, chop out like one chip of a tree and then stick it back, like right where you found it and then just leave it alone. <laughs> um, and the, you'll, you'll have a boat. And so Espen's like, oh, that sounds great. I'll try that. <laughs> and of course he ends up, um, he, he does the, the task and then falls asleep. And the, there's supposedly um, the little, little guy shows up and just like builds the boat for him. Uh, when Espen wakes up from his nap, he sees the giant boat and the little guy there. And the, the guy tells him, okay, go take this to the king. It's super fast. It'll get you there. Um, in record time but uh as part of like the payment for this boat um you have to take anyone you come across along with you on the trip <laughs> and um so, so what the tale does is shows this trait of of uh espen collecting things and this this occurs like in the film and it occurs to almost every one of the tales he loves <laughs> shiny things or just stuff that other people would think it's junk but he's able to repurpose it because right. he doesn't he's not wasteful he sees things and he could use or could potentially use he doesn't know how at that at that point um but it might be something useful right. and he realizes that something that even though it might look like junk it probably has some value yes and will is will be applicable even though he doesn't know it will be applicable later on in the yeah. story. He just, he picks up a lot of Chekhov's guns. <laughs> like yeah. That's just what he yeah. does. Um, and in this instance, he, uh, he meets, all, he meets a bunch of people. So I'll kind of just give a short rundown. He meets a, a gentleman who's like eating rocks. And um, he asked, <laughs> he asked the guy like, why are you chewing on boulders? And the guy's like, I'm just so hungry that this, kind of satisfies me but i could eat like a house you know basically and so so that guy he's like oh yeah jump on my boat we'll go um and then he meets a dude that's like sucking on a, um an ale tap like it's 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 from a, a barrel of ale but the ale's gone and he's just right sucking on tap and he asks the guy you know why are you doing that and of course the guy's like i'm just so thirsty and this just reminds me of the beer that i could have um and then he meets a gentleman that has one leg uh he's hopping on one leg and the other leg is tied full of all these weights and you know yeah of course ask the guy why why are you doing that and the guy's like well if i unchain myself i'm so fast i would like reach the end of the world just um in like an hour or something or maybe a minute it's some like ridiculous like he's just crazy fast right and then he meets another gentleman that um has his he's like um puffing his cheeks but has his hand like holding his mouth shut mm -hmm. and then he asks the guy you go why are you doing that and uh the guy's like i have i don't remember it's, it's like i have um it's like 
11 winters and 20 summers or something like in my belly and if i open my mouth like too wide they'll escape and like destroy the world <laughs> and so of course that's like that sounds great <laughs> jump on the ship let's go <laughs> um and i think there's a dude that can like shoot anything uh oh okay like his, his eye is so good that he could like hit i don't remember what it says it's something ridiculously far away shoot the moon out of the sky you know something like that right and uh he takes these guys on the ship they get to the the kingdom and he you know he presents the the king with this giant boat that's the fastest thing on land uh and the king is like he accepts it but he sees uh espen is just covered in ash and he just looks like he's a poor guy from a farm which mm-hmm. he, which, he, which he is and he's just not willing to hand over his daughter to this like scruffy looking lad right and so he, he sets him these other like impossible tasks he's like, i think he says oh we have um i uh, there was a feast and they cooked too much food or something i don't remember exactly what happens but there's just too much food and if you can get rid of it in like an hour um, then you can marry my daughter and it's, right. it's it's like a larder full of food so he sends the uh, Aspen's like, oh, I'll, I'll, or Aspen's like, oh, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll take care of it. He's like, can I bring my friends with me? And the guy's like, sure, whatever. It's like, there's way too much food to even like the, the, the ten people that he has couldn't possibly finish it all, right? Um, but so Aspen just sends the one guy that's like crazy hungry and wants to eat rocks, and the guy mm-hmm. eats, eats, eats the food in like a minute. It's all just gone. Um, they repeat the same thing. It's like, oh, I have all this endless wine that like if you can drink this in the a day or whatever it was an hour something shorter uh, so right. he, he sends the guy that was so thirsty um and then i think the last or there's there's two other main ones he um the king asked him oh i'm i'm thirsty if you can get me water from it's a lake that's like across the country mm-hmm. like, if you can bring me that in 10 minutes then um i'll let you marry my daughter because like that's the, it's not gonna happen. Of course, they got the dude that can run, right. run around the world. So he um brings that. There's a couple weird snafus along the way, but he he brings the water back to him. Oh, <laughs> he he's runs to go get it, and he's like, "I'll be back in like a minute," and then doesn't show up. It's like a nine minutes before the time's up, or, the, or mm-hmm. one one minute before the time is up, and uh, the eagle-eyed guy can see that. Oh, he's taking a nap or something he <laughs> fell asleep so he shoots an arrow at him and wakes him up and he mm-hmm. brings the, wa- the water back so that, that's how that guy is involved in it and then i don't remember the last one's like oh if you can stay in this freezing cellar for like uh, over overnight 24 hours then you can marry my daughter and of course the dude that has like all the seasons in his belly um lets out a couple summers and warms it up right they, they can they're comfortable in there and i think the king comes to check on him and um, the one part that Espen generally is a good guy, but in this segment, I think he just reached the, the limit of like, I'm tired of doing these tasks that are ridiculous. Right. <laughs> and so he's like, oh, the king's checking on us. Just let, let a little bit of winter out. So the, the guy like lets a little bit of a, a full winter out and it, like freezes the king or gives him <laughs> chill blame on his face. Um, right. But that's kind of how that story ends. And those uh, those aspects of this like collecting people and um recognizing worth in uh other folks like what they could possibly do but still look beyond uh like stereotype i guess right like, don't judge 
people by their cover, but also judge people by their. It's like weird. <laughs> like they they're very specific in what they can do. So, um, just yeah, don't don't let people fall by the wayside. I guess right. Put everyone to use for something that they can do. Um, <laughs> there's a a similar tale where uh, Espen has to bring a golden goose um to the king. But it's you know it's alive and it's walking around. So he uh he he's doing that, and along the way, people keep asking about the goose, and he just tells them to pet the goose. I think, but if they touch it, they get stuck to it. So he's like, go. He goes to the king. And he's just carrying this like long train of people, but um, <laughs> they all end up doing the same thing where they have something they can offer uh to to the kingdom, right? But, they, but they've generally been kind of ignored by society. <laughs> So um, it's 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 like you know it's it's like, m- like little morality tales. Um, yeah, little morality tales where all the teens play takes these backsies as soon as Espen. Yeah, <laughs> the king. The kings generally aren't too great, but of course they're guys that are offering their daughters up in half of their kingdom. So right, you know, I think that's that speaks to their own characters um, just as much as their well their retin retin their unwillingness to part with the, the things that they're offering. Yes. So in the film, we have, um, we, we've covered that the daughter was, that, that there is in fact a mountain king, this Dobregubin, yes. and has kidnapped the, the princess. What I was afraid was going to happen was that she was relegated to like a, a set piece. Right. And really wouldn't have any agency, but thankfully that's not the case. She's, um fairly in charge of her own person um and does succeed somewhat in um kind of trying to save herself she's mm-hmm. not she's not just a reward um for for espen and as we find right. out isn't a reward at all um yes we have the uh sort of foppish but jerkish um prince uh frederick who mm-hmm. who isn't a one-time character he is continually um bothering uh, Espen <laughs> and and the brothers uh but more than that what we have is a lot of uh folktale and um creatures that show up and yes this was the heart of what I enjoyed about the movie um because of the way it was presenting uh th- these um mythical creatures but also uh, because of this kind of hero's journey that you know that we're that it's presented in as. Um, so we have our first our first appearance, I think, of uh, aside from the the Dobregubin, is the uh, stupid Kirinja, the um, stump woman. Like, I think it's translated as stump goody, so it must be like a like a position, like a um, right. Uh, it's a, like good wife. I think oh, that, okay. that kind of connotation. Um, please correct me if I'm wrong, because I the researching this was super hard. I couldn't find that term like really anywhere. <laughs> um, but it's the lady of the stump, <laughs> and it's kind of like sword in the stone. <laughs> I mean, you could yeah, uh, yes. <laughs> you could look at it that way. So what what's what's this encounter? What happens here? Uh, let's see. I oh, man trying to remember i believe aspen is out to chop firewood so he's with his brothers at this point 
I believe. Yes, they're um, on they're the adventure. On, they're on the adventure, and the f- well, I don't even think it's the first thing. It might be the second thing that he comes across is hearing um, noises a little bit off the path. Yes, and, uh, and he discovers. Uh, he discovers the stump lady uh, 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 attached to a stump. She has a a very long, um, very comical um, uh, witch nose and has somehow managed to get it caught in the stump of a tree. I think she was she was chopping wood and somehow. Yes. And somehow got her her nose caught in the what would you call it? The the crack, the The crack that she's. Yeah, she's the, the crevice that she's chopping into yes. i think she just leaned forward a little bit too hard and woodpeckered Extra- into the, <laughs> the, the yeah. stump Extra- extracted her axe and then pinched the tip of her nose into the crack um and uh she's asking espen for help and espen being a nice guy uh helps her uh and and is uh she gives him the map she gives him a magical map. Yes, there we go. Um, um, yes, the classic uh, magical map that tells you just enough information to get you into trouble, but doesn't tell you that trouble was coming. No, it. Um, so this is an interesting map. It. Uh, it's said to show you the location of whatever it is you desire. Like you, you ask it nicely. That's a requisite. Um, to activate the map. Uh, right is please show me so and so and then it doesn't um it's it's a blank like sheepskin it's uh doesn't show you specifically like a trail it just shows you a picture of the location of where you can find the thing you're looking for so that leaves you up to you to know oh that's a swamp of whatever that's a lake of something and Mm -hmm. um to to basically um chica slate your way into finding this thing because <laughs> that's kind of what it turns out to be right um as far as the um the stump lady goes uh, uh really so she's reminiscent of the junk lady uh in oh, Labyrinth. yes yeah um, if the junk lady was like also a troll uh, <laughs> instead of a goblin um right but what's great about this setup is he hears her calling from the trail. So she's not mm-hmm. like deep into the woods. She's just off of a main hunting trail. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's covered in moss, as is the stump, indicating she's been there for a very long time. Yes. Constantly calling for help, asking someone to come help her get out of the, the, the stump. Mm-hmm. And our our good old boy is the first person to like willingly go answer that call or at least the person naive enough to not only answer but then actually help her once he sees who she is and to him she's just a lady stuck in the stump right you know he doesn't see anything mythical about it um even though he wants to believe you know the general populace may believe in trolls and goblins and things but they haven't seen them Right, or at least if they do see them, they know enough to like leave it alone, because generally mm-hmm. nothing good uh, comes out of these interactions, and that's um, evident in a lot of these tales uh, where Espen is 
forced to deal with the supernatural or trolls in particular and the the trolls of these tales aren't by and large uh they're well, I guess they're they're creatures of nature and they're just hungry, so they eat people. That's mm-hmm. just what they like to do. Um, right. But they have their own lives and their own kingdoms. And he, as with the other people he addresses, he kind of ignores that or sees beyond it or however you want to look at his naivety benefits him in viewing things as himself. Right. So he's not according anyone higher or lower status. Everything's equal in his eyes, basically. Yes. I'm oh, taking a sip of coffee there. Um. So that's yes, the stump, the stump lady who gives him the magical map because what he's looking for is a sword that can kill or at least wound the mountain king, who's otherwise impervious to like any weapon you could want to use. Right. So you, because you, you need a specific magic weapon to, to 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 deal with the mountain king. Right. Because this isn't just isn't just any troll. He's the he's he's a special troll. You I I you know this is one of uh, one of the things that I always really kind of uh, loved about uh, folk tales is uh, just it, at a certain age a magical creature just develops immunities to to things that younger younger versions of it um would would fall to so it's acceptable that oh yeah you can't can't just kill the mountain king he's because he's an he's an ancient powerful troll so you need a specific magic sword to kill him when you can just like 20 years in the past just kind of stab it to death maybe yeah (laughs) you got there a little sooner (laughs) yeah exactly that's always kind of like my favorite thing about folktales it's just like ah if only somebody had hadn't been a coward like five decades ago we could have cleared this all up yeah and um these uh the dobe de we've covered a little bit um in previous episode uh the troll hunter yes Uh, and also the other the other trolls um the other kinds of trolls rather uh rather than gaining um that kind of immortality through longevity they they do things like gain extra heads um, yes uh and, and and things like that just to the the other heads are false heads of course they're not actually fully sentient things they're they're defense mechanisms to um, protect themselves from right from hunters or people or other trolls they you know you get more heads and you're scarier to the other trolls you can be the boss with your yes. like seven heads <laughs> um also as he's going along espen he's picking up things off the side of the trail he finds uh a busted helmet a <laughs> broken mirror and a uh a bear skin. I believe those are the I don't think he found anything else. Those are the three things he picked up. Yes. Um and, and of, of course, I, uh yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say as 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 a uh as a child, uh having watched quite a bit of, of David the Gnome, I knew I knew almost instantly what that broken mirror was going to be used for because we're dealing with trolls and um 
trolls have a very specific weakness to something. Yes. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so that was actually uh, uh, that w- once again a nice little Chekhov's gun that he found on the side of the road. It is, and the the relationship between him and his brothers um, is kind of fleshed out a little bit more as he's picking these items up. They're constantly like lambasting him for picking up junk off the road. Right, like, like we don't we're, like, we're going on this trip. We only have so much room, and you're trying to carry a bear skin and helmet like what are you what are you gonna do with that espen you know they're just questioning his sanity basically right um, in just gathering stuff and taking it with him because he's he's constantly saying i'll I'll just i'll find a use for it i guess probably Um, right and and he's right (laughs) he is right um he does of course find a use for every one of the things he picked up the um the other thing is this this him collecting things and then being like told off by his brothers is found in uh, two or three of the tales. There's okay. uh, one in particular um, where he, uh, the, the king, of course, a different king, uh, has a giant oak tree uh, that's grown <laughs> outside of the palace and it's blocking his view uh, of the countryside. <laughs> and also because uh, he wanted to fortify or make sure his castle was properly fortified, he built it up on a, a giant. Um, I don't know if it's a cliff, but it's a up on rocks. Oh, okay. so uh, what he also wants is like a well, but the ground is it's the bedrock's too close to the you can't dig into it <laughs> because he built it on a bunch of rocks. Uh. So <laughs> his his thing is uh, the the tree that is is there is it's huge and it's potentially cursed. I guess if you cut into it, it it grows two pieces more than what you cut. Okay. So it just keeps getting bigger the more you try to chop it. <laughs> and uh, his thing is, hey, if you can dig dig me a well in this rocky ground uh, and cut down this tree so I can see everything, um, I will give you my daughter and half of the <laughs> kingdom because that's what kings do. Um, and they, the, the caveat to this um, generous offer is that if you fail... Uh, to cut down the tree, um, he'll cut off your ears and send you, like, exile you to a prison island. Yeah. Well, well, yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> he just, he okay. just goes hard the other way. <laughs> um, of course, uh, both uh, Peter and Paul attempt this and are left lopped of lobe and um, <laughs> sent to the, the island. And Espen... As they're as they're traveling, it's just the three brothers traveling to to go to the the king. They're um, he's doing the same thing. There's uh, um, he can hear a chopping sound like off in the woods, mm-hmm. and he's like, I wonder what that crazy sound is. And the brothers are like, Well, we're in the woods, and there's huntsmen, and they're probably chopping down a tree. So that's what it is. Let's keep going. We got to get there by sundown or something. And he's like, Well, I'm gonna go check it out um because he just really wants to know what that sound is uh of course he goes to to see what the what's making that noise and he finds a axe um, an axe void of you wilder just clearing down trees and, um, <laughs> he the axe not only is um animate it also is sentient and it's can talk 
So he's like, oh, what are, you, what are you doing here? And he's like, I'm just cutting down trees, and I've been doing this for a long time, waiting for you. And uh, Espen's like, okay, that's great. Um, come with me. So he, you know, he, he takes the, the axe head off of the haft and just puts them in his bag. Mm-hmm. They, they, they continue on their journey, and eventually he um, hears like a lot of water running. And the brothers are like, it's just a look, it's a stream. <laughs> and, and he's like, but I wonder where it comes from. And like, well, it comes from the rocks. You know, it's just streams do. And he's like, well, I'm right. going to go, go check it out. And uh, he follows the, the stream along and it gets smaller and smaller and smaller and eventually ends in a walnut. There's a walnut on the ground and it's cracked open and water's just endlessly like pouring out of it. <laughs> So he stuffs the walnut up with them, or rather, just talks to him, of course, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> says, "I've been waiting, been waiting for you, Espen." And he he shoves it full of moss so it doesn't leak, and puts it in his pocket. Um, and I, uh, it might have actually been prior; it doesn't really matter the order. But uh, he, right. he he hears a digging sound, and he wanders off the path. I want to find out what the digging sound is, and he finds a shovel that's just or a spade that's just endlessly digging rocks out of the ground. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yep, takes it with him. So his brothers, of course, fail their task. They get their ears chopped off and sent to prison. And he um, he takes the axe out and then just sets it at the tree. And like in a couple minutes, it just mows through the tree because it chops faster than the tree can grow back, right. I guess. Um, he sets the spade down and it, it just continually digs right through the rocks because that's just what it does. And uh, once it's once he's satisfied with how deep it is, um, he takes his, puts his spade away and puts a little walnut down there, and it just makes a well, just <laughs> perpetually flowing water. Um, but the it's not it's not even immoral. Uh, the uh, the the end result of the tale is that uh, the the narrator divulges that Peter and Paul, even though they had their ears chopped off, maybe weren't so. Um, uh, misfortunate because with their ears gone, they wouldn't have to listen to everyone going, oh, it's a good thing that Espen kept stopping to go pick up that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> because they were berating him for it, and it was, uh, I don't know, it's, uh, it's a, I can't even say like a, it's a cute ending because they had their ears chopped off, but uh, right. it's it's funny that the, it, the story goes out of its way to say, oh, it's great that they are sent in prison so, yeah so they don't have to listen to people gloating about their brother um not listening to them <laughs> but anyway um that's just him uh picking up things that are very useful or only specifically useful um, as the case right. may be and is the case in the film um well speaking of misadventures of peter and paul what's our grand misadventure that the these two boys get up to in the film they, uh, they find some apples. Oh yes, the yes, they find some some delicious, delicious forced apples in in a in a suspicious basket, right? Yeah, it's a basket yep. sitting on like a stump, and it's yep, it's like in a shaft of light, so it's it's, it's being it's, very very literally like highlighted. It's 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 the it's the it's the most fantasy trap of any fantasy trap. Um, a, a pile of food, of unattended food, left out uh, invitingly for any passersby. Um, they uh, uh, eat, Peter and Paul eat the apples, and are beset by uh, 
three lovely three, ladies. Three lovely ladies. And, who will um, desperately want to marry them. Yes, well, the apples are gold. They're golden apples and are super delicious. And the best, worst part is the gold, like, is clearly applied onto the apple because anyone biting it like is left with gold teeth and lips <laughs> like it just comes <laughs> off yep oh and the and the, the brothers could potentially have like avoided this fate because they say oh this is uh, they, they acknowledge these are obviously somebody else's apples but yep. we'll just take one and right. then we'll go and right. that would have probably been fine but that's not what happens. They eat all of the apples and they're just sitting there and are surprised by the three very lovely ladies. Yes. I, I, uh, once again, that is a, like the, the, ah, we're only going to steal a little bit. We're just going to rip this person off a little bit. And it always inevitably turns into, Oh, we stole everything. Cause Oops. we have, <laughs> We have we actually have zero impulse control, unsurprisingly, since we the premise was that we were only going to steal a little from these people. That's uh once again another one of my favorite fantasy tropes. The ah, we're just gonna commit a large crime. Oh no, we committed the we committed the whole crime. Yeah, all of it. Whoops. Yep. Yeah, so they um they are promised uh that the uh there's a place that they can go where they can eat all the apples they want like they don't have to worry about their burnt down house or getting money from the king or marrying a princess they can just stay and eat these like super delicious apples and Mm -hmm. there's three ladies and they'll marry them and it'll be great right Right. uh so they they go off into a um a crag in the rocks that (laughs) magically opens and they're in they're presented with this fairy tale wonderland Right, with birds and sunlight and a, a feast, a banquet laid before them with like suckling pig and fruits and all kinds of like fancy feasts. Yes, it's 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 uh, it's an exquisite banquet of of anything that anyone could ever possibly want, um, uh, and. Um, see is this where espen arrives because of course he did not partake of the apple well they were he he couldn't they were all gone (laughs) right right um because his brothers are are selfish Uh, there was was there one i'm trying to remember if there was one on the ground he eats one apple but it may have been the one no he found one on the ground because he took a bite of it uh right because otherwise, uh, what the, what the apples do is um, grant you a kind of like fairy vision, mm-hmm. so you can you can see fantastical things. And I, I believe he bit one of the apples, and that's how he saw the the way into the um the little uh, right grotto. Yes. Uh, but um, unsurprisingly, uh, and because Espen only had a bite of the apple, apparently. Uh, it's it's magical false fairy vision wears off uh, s- uh significantly faster with, than if you within eat. like a minute or so yep um once again adding adding another layer of like fantastic like just video gamey like 
tropes because I'm sure there was a, a, a counter that was like fairy vision and instantly ticked off. Uh, and Espen uh, discovers that uh, the Fantastic Banquet is uh, all rotting, awful fruit. Uh, there's uh, fruit and food. There is a uh, rotting pig, pig's head. Um, the the fine golden goblets of wine are the <laughs> the 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 haunted house goblets, uh, full of 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 smoking, uh, mysterious potion, and of course that the lovely ladies are. What are they? Are they trolls? Are they goblins? Uh, they are, goblins? Hol they are Holdra. Hilfold. Okay. What are what are Holdra? They... So, um, <laughs> so th these particular hill folk, they are, um, according to the folklore, they're they look like general like maidens, but they happen to have uh, cow tails. And yep. part of the lore is to not follow women with cowtails peeking out from their skirts into the forest um <laughs> because it generally ends poorly and they're not um generally ends poorly i'll say as because these tales um they're similar to that of like the selkies where mm -hmm. uh you could conceivably marry um a holdra or a selkie and as long as you don't try to get them to show like their natural form or they'll tell you like hey don't don't like i have to disappear every month for like a day or two don't come looking yes. for me um if you see a seal skin laying around like don't touch it <laughs> to leave it alone yeah. that, that kind of thing um right where it always ends poorly for the uh the the, the person who generally never obeys any of those instructions and is usually killed as a result um, right, and that that being the case with this, we we covered the um the film Tala, which was specifically on the Holdra. So, for any listeners that missed that one, you can roll back a few episodes and um find out some more lore because I don't remember all of it since <laughs> it was like a year ago. <laughs> but yes, um these are Holdra, and they're ensorceling these um these poor brothers uh in order to. I don't think they're going to eat them. I think they no. just wanted husbands to yes. to make more holder babies. Yes, because, yep. So as long as you're fine awesome. with, with eating bugs and rotting things, then, uh, yeah, it could work out for you. Yeah, yeah. Um, always, always a pleasure when when the the uh the fantasy race that is super into just tricking people into propagating uh, shows up um but yes uh what is does espen do anything specifically to break his brothers out of the trance i feel like he just ends up dragging um, them along while they're hallucinating yeah no he just he, what he does is he um he asks the the holdra or the three women um if he can show his brothers around like they want to just explore like the beautiful kingdom or the you know, uh, yes. the place and he he's like wait right here ladies we'll be right back we're just gonna go look at the forest over here and he he drags his somewhat reluctant brothers away from the feast and as they're walking um the the apple magic starts to wear off 
and mm-hmm. they realize that they're probably in a, a little bit of a pickle and attempt to flee. Right. Success, successfully, because otherwise the movie would have ended here and with them tra- right. trapped in the grotto. Um, they do escape. We do see the, in this depiction, um, the, the natural forms of the Huldra is quite um, disturbing. Uh, well, to be fair, even in the uh, Tala film, the, the Huldra were more kind of like feral, uh, mm-hmm. fuzzy people, but they were like emaciated and kind of scary. Mm-hmm. Like if you made trollish, skinny werewolves. <laughs> sort of. I mean, it's a difficult to kind of describe, but they didn't. Right. Look, they didn't look quite like people. Um, right. This, they're just kind of hideous ladies. Yes, um, with cow tails. They, they, they reminded me of the witches in the Roald doll, like the film, The Witches. Oh um, yes, like that. Yes, but, but maybe yes. maybe a little bit less ugly. Yeah. Only, only, only. Yes, they're they're all Angelica Houston, Grand High Witch, without the makeup on. But uh, in 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 this film, yeah, uh, and they're just makeup. not they're not like hunchbacked or they're not like deformed. They, they're right. just unattractive. They're just witchy enough. They're yeah, just witchy. Um. Uh, I believe after this event, we cut to uh, we. Cut to uh, Kristen um, in the uh, in the in the hall of the Mountain King. Yes, uh, is this the first time we cut to her? I believe it is. She wakes up. Yeah, um... there are goats because, of course, there are because trolls love snacking on goats. Yeah. Um... <laughs> so the the troll. Um is looking for like a bride slash slave right. slash just a housekeeper all those kind right. of things rolled into one um mm-hmm. uh eats one of the goats and then offers um our princess the choice selection of a lamb no goat goat shank i don't know mm-hmm. like leg of goat um and uh, she she has to like i guess pretend to eat it because she just wasn't gonna right. eat this giant raw goat leg um <laughs> And she tries to like, kind of escape, so she's showing some agency here. Um, mm-hmm. But of course, the the Mountain King is very large and prevents uh, her her flight. Um, I think it accidentally knocks her out, right? Because he bumps her and she goes flying. So we see that you know she's still alive. She's more or less safe, but just in a not great space, right? Uh, and 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 is actively trying to yes. escape on her own, which is once again always nice. Yeah, it's, um, it's very appreciated for this um, kind of story. The other um, the other tales, some of them have uh, Espen uh, attempting to. Well, even in this in this film and even in most tales, he generally doesn't end up with the princess. He's mm-hmm. kind of he's kind of content with his lot in life, but just maybe wants a little bit of the money to make ends meet. But that's right. generally it. Um, a few times he does end up marrying the princess, and she kind of just writes it off as a happy ending. Um, right. But in most cases, the, the the princess is 
a headstrong, willful, just to her own woman. Um, but in one of the tales, there's an instance where he, he goes to present himself to the king and to the princess, and she's just not interested in a suitor because it turns out she already has a lover, and that was, in fact, a um, not if not the mountain king, it's another troll. And no, so okay. There's, there's <laughs> one where the princess is just shacking up with this troll, and um, Espen had done a service to a spirit, mm-hmm. um, and the spirit uh, basically looks out for him and presents him with all these opportunities to um, eventually uh, kill the troll and then win sort of win the heart of the princess because it turns out she yeah. was wearing a troll skin that made her evil it was <laughs> it was ambiguous she may have just wanted to be with trolls and had a troll skin i don't know right um, <laughs> as these things just kind of happen but um, right. that that's not the case here the uh, the princess doesn't emphatically does not want to be with the um mountain king and would like right. to escape and have her own life advent- of adventure instead uh the we're not going to cover like every single step of the journey because there's a lot of stuff going on. Um, yeah. The next instance of kind of creature lore uh, would be they they do make it to the the lake that had been indicated on the map to to get a hold of the sword. Um, mm-hmm. As we mentioned, they've been kind of harried um, now and then by uh, Prince Frederick. There's been some a bit of comedy comedy of errors on that part of the. Of the prince being kind of inept at what he does, but the brothers not really being any better. So right. no, no one's really coming out on top until um, until the boys kind of mess up a little bit and um, the, the, the prince catches up to them. But um, mm-hmm. Espen uh, is separated from his brothers because of the, the lake, of course, has like, it's not really a lake, it's like a marsh and it has mystic fog uh, and they, they all get separated, but he, he finds out um, the place where the sword is being guarded, I guess. Yeah. By what? What are a bog hag? I don't know. Because <laughs> there's like seems to be multiple of them, and they're like fish, semi reptilian, semi uh, uh, amphibious, uh, yeah, fish creatures yeah. in the bog. I would say they're like marrow. That's the closest thing I could think of. Um, it doesn't. the The film doesn't call them out by name. It doesn't. Yes. Give me us. Well, it does, it's the same thing with the Holdra. It doesn't tell you. You're just supposed to know because you'd right. be more familiar with these legends if we grew up reading these um, folk tales. So I don't. I don't know um, what these were. I'll have to watch that part again and see if I can get a better idea. But marrow is the closest analog and that's going to be um welsh i believe and uh and these kind of creatures are my big no-go i do not like i'm uh i've never particularly been a fan of dark water dark murky water it uh is not (laughs) it's not cool and so anything that lives in dark murky water that is primed to attack humans really uh do not care for in any way. So, uh, this may be like the knock. Okay. Um, 
continue describing what happens here so I can look it up real fast. <laughs> uh, yes, he uh, he he locates the he locates the uh, the sword in the lake. Uh, pulls it out of the sheath. It's got a it's a sheath and belted. Uh, he uh, inspects it and is almost immediately accosted by the awful bog creature. Um, and uh, yeah, it looks like a it looks like a tree. It looks like it actually looks like it's it might be mostly bog material. Now that <laughs> I think about it, it's a bog bog, um, bog buddy. Yeah. Um, and uh, it envelops him and pulls him under in uh, uh, clearly what is an, an attempt to drown him. Um, it's, uh, <laughs> once again, it, it really, really hits all of my, my no-go buttons. Um, but uh, uh, <laughs> Espen emerges uh, successfully um, apparently having grabbed, re-grabbed the sword because last we saw he had dropped it uh, as he fled in terror, but uh, apparently used the sword to slay the maybe lizard, maybe fish, maybe compost creature that had menaced him not but a few moments previous. Um yeah, like I said, I thought it was. I really remembered it looking more amphibious. It might have just been um, what I pulled from the eyes, but it is really just appears to be an actual living mass of like peat moss, bog, and twigs. Yeah, it, I'm not sure what it's specifically supposed to be, other than it's a water a water sprite. Um, right. These give me the knock, but the knock is uh, sort of like knuckle Eevee, where it's or, or uh, what's the other one? Um, it's a it's horse shaped. Is what oh, this, okay. Is what this is um, in in the in the folk tales, but the knock mm. doesn't always have to be horse shaped, so that part is a little confusing. So I guess we'll just that's what it's gonna be, a <laughs> water spirit. Um, because some things say it's not horse shaped. Yes. But, but there's so many specific tales um, that, uh, uh, yeah, that we're just gonna we're just gonna call it the knock. Um, but there are <laughs> specific like other mermaid, mermen, um, the drog. Um, I don't I don't see anything else that's gonna give a more specific answer um right. i will attempt to look some more of that up later on and uh we'll discuss it in future episodes because we'll be returning to this um in a, i don't know a few months time there's a <laughs> there's a, tri a planned trilogy of these films oh okay so that'll be great because the second film is drawing at least from its title, specifically um, from a folktale called Soria Moria Castle, and that is Ashlight in Soria Moria Castle, the film that okay. coming out, starring both um, the uh, I believe it's Further Adventures of uh, um, Princess Kristen and Espen. Oh, but, okay. Um, so he he gets the sword from the the, the bog monster. Yep, and 
they are well eventually they meet the mountain king um we we have him use he uses utilizes his giant bear skin because his two brothers are kidnapped by um the prince prince frederick uh they peter and paul have the map and they end up having to just hand it over to um, the prince who uses it to find the, the, the home of the mountain king, and they're kind of all making their journey. Um, mm-hmm. in, in the middle of the night when they've set up camp, um, Espen shows up hoping to scare off um, the prince by pretending to be a giant bear. It kind right. of works, but then he trips, and it reveals it's just dear old Espen um, dressed up in a giant bear skin. Yes. So then they're all kidnapped, and they'll have to <laughs> they get... Uh, <laughs> Eventually attacked by the um, the the Mountain King, uh, who pretty much kills all of Prince Frederick's buddies. Yep. Um, kidnaps the prince, and also um, uh, Paul. Yes. So it's left to Espen and Peter um, to go rescue. Not only um, the princess, but their brother has been taken. Because mm-hmm. nobody cares about Frederick because he's been not really. Uh, yeah, he's <laughs> been dogging them the entire time. And yeah, he's not endeared so himself into their good graces. Yes, and it has been a huge coward as all of his men were killed. So, <laughs> uh, uh, he, Frederick's he, a- he even tells his one yes man to like go cipher. He's like, oh, he's like, I made it, I made it, prince, and then he's like good now you can go back down and sacrifice yourself uh so the troll won't see me yep which doesn't work i mean he ends up of dying course. anyway of course but um, <laughs> so yeah that, that brings them to their escape from the hall of the mountain king um there's a some shenanigans with the rope and trying to climb out of the um the sort of little cavern that they've been put into and they uh, eventually all ascend um more or less safe to the the summit of the mountain yes uh, and have a showdown with the mountain king um, in the uh, early hours of the morning um yes and uh espen attempts to use the sword and does some minor ankle damage to the mountain king with uh said sword um is it Peter who really what gets punched into like A the rock. like uh, yeah like real like real bad like Which just he, he gets, probably like, should have died but he he still he makes it <laughs> right but but it, but it's a fantasy so yeah it it, it, it didn't snap not. his spine in seven places <laughs> yes um and uh uh. Did, does Espen lose the sword? I, the sword gets I, knocked over the edge of the um, the mountain. Right. So the sword's out of play. The, the, surprise! The sword was a big MacGuffin. It wasn't. Uh, was was not never going to be used to slay the Mountain King. Um, so Espen, being the wise, uh, magically inclined boy that he is, realizes that uh, the sun is coming up and. Uh, what do uh, trolls hate more than anything, Dave? Soap. 
Oh. Okay. <laughs> what's the what's the second most hated thing by troll? Oh yeah, sunlight. They don't like it. That's right, because they turn into stone um in the sun. Uh once again, uh thanks to David the Gnome for telling me that back when I was like eight. Um, yep, su- trolls don't like sun. And Espen holds up the pulls out the broken mirror, holds it up, and 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 Batman forever's it, or is it Batman and Robin? Uses the sunlight to uses the mirror to reflect the sunlight to turn uh the troll into stone, or at least distracted enough because it, you know that yeah it, is, it, it hurts it, but it um it's. So the sword did serve a purpose. He kind of hamstrung uh, one of the, um, the like the Achilles tendon on the. the it can't walk very fast, right? So it's intent on murdering all of them, but it's it's hampered by its injury, and then again by the um, the pain of the sunlight on its body um, slows it all down exactly enough to where um, as it's about to squash them into pace with a big giant fist. Uh, it it uh, the the sun peeks over the the top of the mountain fully and um, turns him completely to stone. Yep, and then is summarily what kicked over by the princess. Yeah, she she's not having this and she knocks it over and crushes it. <laughs> yep, uh, that's yeah, that's kind of the the end of it. Um, I always, but once again, I really love that. Like, if somebody had just like, hey, you know, we should probably like lure it out and keep it out, uh, uh, all night. Like, just harass it. Like, we get some some yeah. men that's not, that aren't willing to die. That are willing to die, and keep it out until it tur- until the sun comes out, and then we we just destroy it, and then we'll be be safe. But it really feels like people understand the folk tales and are less inclined to believe that these creatures are real. The magical world is being forgotten. That seems to be um, part a of, theme. Yeah, part and parcel of it. Even though this is set um, a while back, it's not. This is not modern day, as we probably should have mentioned. <laughs> Um, right, and and another point in the Mountain King's favor is he's very large. He's a big yes, boy. Yes, he is. Um, he is a he's like a very big troll. I don't know, three, four meters. It's huge. Yes, and it's weird because some of the shots don't make him look that big until like sort of this climactic moment where you realize he's actually the size of like three or four people on their standing on their shoulders. <laughs> yep, at, at least, and his his hand i mean you can probably fit a couple people in his hand like if he was holding mm-hmm. them like a bunch of flowers or something uh, yeah um, so um the this this ends the scourge of the the mountain king and they all um head back to the the, the king's palace mm-hmm. um the the brothers um have kind of agreed uh, to just not worry about ha- the whole half the kingdom thing because I don't think any of them actually want to do any sort of ruling. Right. Um, they just want the money, and it's not even the money. It's just enough money to fix their house. Yep. Um, and, and classic fairy tale, do not take actually need 
They ask for just enough to 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 get back on their feet. Uh, Espen's like, yeah, no, I'm not really interested in the princess. And she's like, hey, thanks. I really appreciate that. That's cool. Also, uh, because uh, it is established early on in the movie that they kind of just have a good old-fashioned, nice, platonic friendship with one another. Yeah, they just, um, they just want to go on adventures. That's like, yeah, that's the extent of it. Right. Um, so everything's good for the princess. The king's happy. Not really, because he doesn't get to uh, load off his kingdom on every <laughs> anyone, um, even though he's real, real tired. Uh, and then we cut to uh, Prince Frederick, who was a big old coward and ran away and didn't, uh, didn't uh, really help in the final battle uh, as he comes across the um, stump woman. Yes, and he treats her ungraciously. Um, I think he asks her where the kingdom is. Yes. And then she, of course, points him in the not correct direction. Um, right. Because she realizes he's a jerk. And he ends up finding uh, some apples. Yep. And three lovely ladies fully willing to cater to his every whim. Um, as long as he enjoys um, feted banquets. Right. And that is <laughs> that is Prince Frederick's comeuppance and the end of Ashlad in the Hall of Mountain King. Yeah. Uh, it does, I think, pave a nice way for um, the next movie to start because I, I want to say the princess shows up on her horse and asks him to go on an adventure i don't remember i mm -hmm. think i think that's what happened at the end <laughs> it's been a while since i watched it yeah but yeah so she they, they, they yeah. go off on adventure and that leads into uh, ashlad in soria moria castle which um whenever that comes out we'll watch that too because this was really fun mm -hmm. um i i don't yeah i don't fun. i don't have anything else uh we did not get any feedback that's okay um if anyone has any specific other questions, let us know. I will endeavor to look a little bit more into the water sprites to kind of clear that up because uh, that was a, a piece that I was lacking in <laughs> looking at. Um, I was focused a little bit more on having fun reading all the crazy Ashlight adventures. <laughs> yeah, uh, it was fun. I, I, and yes, it is. It is a film in the in a very classic 80s style um there's 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 bits of labyrinth in here there's bits of of crawl as you mentioned there's bits of of legend it's a it's a there yes there is a a very familiar 80s kind of pacing and aesthetic uh, uh it's it's family quality. friendly um for yes. the most part kids can watch this i, I think with no problem yeah um, yeah, it's, uh, it was good. It's uh, enjoyable, and I was uh, glad to be sort of secondhand uh, recommended this one. Um, yeah, and if anyone's, it, it's the, the folklore behind it is interesting enough. Uh, of course, that I bought an entire two collections of books to um, look at more Espen Ashlad adventures. <laughs> I do recommend them. They're, uh, they're they're the tales are generally pretty short. Um, some of them are only a few pages and a couple of them are a little bit longer um, but uh, they 
they while they repeat some of the same themes um the end results kind of vary between them and there's also a nice uh sort of coverage of other um folk kind of creatures sort of how this film dealt with other things aside from just the mountain troll um, mm-hmm. so other stuff shows up in those and um the the trolls themselves are a little bit uh they're somewhat varied in how they comport themselves and like their their ends um generally are are not well <laughs> and too well for the trolls um, right but uh the, they're they have that sort of brothers grim treatment where the, the there's a bit of violence and it's not um glossed over like it's fairly explicit when right. something bad happens to a person or a troll <laughs> but yeah that is um Ashlad in the Hall of the Mountain King. Um, that's, I think, going to wrap us up for this episode. Uh, yes. I have no idea what we're going to look at next time. We'll we'll figure something out. Um, uh, Leonard, where can folks find you on the interwebs? People can find me on Twitter at Dr. Faust is Dead, and they can also find me on YouTube at Dr. Faust is Dead as well. Uh... Other than a a a, a jokey joke video uh, involving uh, uh, involving uh, Mister X and uh, Resident Evil Two and <laughs> uh, the most obvious joke that anyone meme joke that anyone's been making for the last few weeks, uh, not really uh, doing a lot uh, with the channel. I've uh, been busy with work. Um, still working on writing scripts, so I might have something soon. I might not. I don't know. I don't know when I'll have any actual substance on my channel. But otherwise, you can watch my old videos and and follow my Twitter, where I give my opinions on who knows what what else. But I do retweet <laughs> a lot of a lot of cat photos. Uh, there are I, uh, a range of potatoes for me to retweet and, and judge online. And Dave, where can people find you? They can find me generally on Twitter at sentinut underscore plus. Um, I have a couple other podcasts going on as usual. One Kung Fu one um, and one on sci-fi from the 70s, 80s, and 90s um, in Asia. So there's all those linked to through my main twitter page um and cameron who is absent this episode you can find him on twitter as well um he also likes cat pictures <laughs> yes. um, and he's on there as night underscore um twit uh, i think that's us signing off for this uh, episode and we'll be back in roughly two weeks and we'll see y'all then all right thanks everyone yep we'll Bye. talk to you next time Bye bye Ha, 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 ha.